Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score, and today's episode is presented by Head & Shoulders, offense for great hair, defense against flakes. I am very excited about today's episode. For the first time this season, I am in first place in Fantasy Pro's Most Accurate Expert Competition. Many of you listening maybe even came across me, maybe even found my work thanks to the success that I've had on Fantasy Pro's. I've finished in the top 11 Each of the seven years I've been in the contest, there's about 140 experts or so in there. I've been top five the last two seasons, but I mention it because anyone that knows me well knows how competitive I am and knows that it has just been killing me that I haven't finished first. So hopefully this isn't like a a no-hitter situation where you're not supposed to talk about it at all, but I had to share that with you off the top because... It's going to have me really fired up here for the final five weeks. Hopefully this will be the year when I can finally bring home the gold. But I will say that anyone that tells you in this industry that they are doing it alone, they're lying to you. I consume a ton of content from other analysts as much as I possibly can really every week. We've had people come on the show who've talked about how they look at my work. We all kind of work together. We make each other better And that's why I'm trying to bring the best of the best on the show to help share their knowledge with you. And today, we got a great guest. He's coming back for his second visit. It's Josh Hornsby, or as many of you know him, Josh ADHD. That's his Twitter handle, Josh underscore ADHD. And you can find all his content at fantasyadhd.com, including his outstanding Scott Fishbowl tool that I thank him for every season because it's helped me in that tournament year after year. Josh, thanks for coming back, man. Justin, man, it's good to be back. I appreciate you asking me on the show. I'm excited to talk a little football. So let's hop in, man. Let's get after it. Well, you you crushed it last year. We had to have you back, and I'm sure we're going to have you back in 2020 as well. But for this week, we're going to dive into week 12, preview the games. I want to look quickly, though, off the top here at a quick offense versus defense matchup. Josh Allen against the Broncos because this time of year we really have to make some tough decisions about our rosters right we got to figure out who's going to stay on our roster who can we rely on the rest of the season we're going down the stretch run here into the fantasy playoffs it's kind of like in the NBA right when the the playoffs come around they shorten up those benches seven eight players just the guys they can trust to win them games when it matters most and Josh Allen is very interesting and I have him on a couple teams I will admit He's shown a very nice floor this season. He's got that one game against the Patriots. He got knocked out of the game, but everybody has a bad game against the Patriots. So we can write that one off. And the schedule for the Bills has been very easy this season. So maybe that's helped him maintain that high floor. And then the last two weeks had a couple easy matchups as well, the Dolphins and the Browns. And he finally had those ceiling games in those contests. Now the schedule is going to get a lot harder. And it starts with this Broncos matchup. Then he gets the Cowboys the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Patriots over the next month. And starting with Denver, their team hasn't gotten a lot of things right this season, obviously, but their pass defense has been pretty good. And I know they're coming off a game where Kirk Cousins was able to bounce back in the second half and he threw three touchdowns against them, but that's only the second game this year where they've allowed more than one passing touchdown. So overall, with this Broncos matchup, with the other tough matchups that I mentioned coming up, Is it time for fantasy owners to maybe throw Allen back to the waiver wire in favor of somebody that has a better schedule? Or 
has he shown enough this year that we can actually trust him the rest of the way? I think he's shown enough where you have to keep him on your roster. I think throwing him to waivers is a bit premature because, uh, yeah, I mean, these are tough matchups. I don't think anybody would would say otherwise, but tough matchups are not losing matchups for a quarterback like Allen that's very athletic. I mean, he's averaging seven uh, seven rush attempts per game over the last eight weeks. That's very healthy. He's It's somewhere in the neighborhood, I think, of 40 yards off of those touches and a quarterback that's got this floor every week, if he gets in a competitive matchup, a tough matchup against a defense that maybe is better against the, the pass, well, I, I think that plays right into Allen's hands. You know, maybe he goes from averaging seven to averaging 10 totes a game. And you would like that if you're going to roster him. Um, he's currently leading the team in rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, there's a floor here with Allen that I don't think we should ignore, even if the matchups get tougher. I think, if anything, we may want to double down on his floor and, and see it increase a little bit with um, some attrition to his passing, obviously. I think there's going to be some give and take there. But uh, I think in a lot of cases, you would take improved floor with a little bit of a reduced ceiling if you know you're going to get more on the bottom line every week. And I think one nice thing we've seen from Allen this year is more of a willingness to throw short passes, more of a willingness to throw the ball away even. He's not making as many insane throws. And in a matchup like this where you have to think that Chris Harris is probably going to cover John Brown – he will check down to Cole Beasley. He will look for Dawson Knox, some of his other receivers there, which is a very positive development for a player that coming out, we thought was a wild man, right? Coming out last year, even this year, we've seen him make some throws, cross body, throw some really dumb interceptions, but he's shown that improvement that I do think we can trust him a little more down the stretch here. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. He's he's come along as a passer much more than I expected him to this year. You know, last year the rap on him was that he couldn't even read the defense pre-snap, and this season it looks like he's progressed some in that regard. Like it, you know, granted he's not playing the tough defenses yet, but he has played New England. New England kind of you know uh, beat him up a little bit, but other than that, I think he's done pretty well as a passer. He's got the weapons around him where even against these tough defenses, they're going to be able to take their shots because of his athleticism and ability to escape a pass rush. So. You know, I, I think these defenses, while tough, they're going to get some wins against Allen, but Allen's going to get his share of wins. And I think, you know, I think it's just really premature to even think about dropping him right now. Now, on the flip side, would you potentially want to pick up a second quarterback going into a playoff run that has a lot of upside and a, and a soft schedule? That way, if you know, if you see Allen really struggling here, you can easily pull the plug and get out of there while you can and, and insert somebody else. You know, maybe that quarterback, Sam Darnold, maybe that quarterback is – you know, off the top of my head, I'm kind of struggling right now, but I'm thinking Sam Darnold's probably going to be a guy that should be available on your waivers that would be someone you could plug in. You know, maybe even Derek Carr if he's available. And there, there's a lot of difficult decisions that we got to make this time of year because the games are getting more important as we move into the fantasy season, a little deeper, a little closer to the fantasy playoffs. We got to talk about the Colts' backfield. They're playing in the Thursday nighter against the Texans. So if you are listening to this and it's the weekend, just skip ahead. You can jump ahead to the next question. But The big issue here is Marlon Mack is going to be sidelined for a few weeks. And Jordan Wilkins was out in week 11. So it was actually Jonathan Williams who took over when Mack went down. And Williams went off 147 yards from scrimmage on 14 touches. Played around 45% of the snaps in that one. So you'd think that he's set up nicely for a good game, especially on a short week here. The Texans are a little tougher against the run, but... Williams getting that kind of volume would be a worthwhile play. Not so fast, though. 
Jordan Wilkins returned to a limited practice earlier in the week, was taken off the injury report on Wednesday. So now it looks like he's also going to play. When Frank Reich was asked about it earlier in the week, he said it would be a split between these two guys. And there's also Naheem Hines there, who's been the pass catching back. And I think they'll be content to just keep him in that role. But if they fall behind, could see a big day for him as well. We're so used to when a running back goes down. And we've got a few cases where backups haven't really gotten it done, even going back to Brian Hill last week. But we're so used to just looking at the next man up. And whether he does it or not, you figure there's just that one guy. In this instance, there's really three guys that we have to take into account here. So you got to make a decision this week. It could matter here for a few more weeks, maybe even the rest of the season, depending how long it takes for Mac to get back. Who are you going to plant your flag on in this Colts backfield? Or are you just going to stay away because there's too many options? Yeah, I think it's I think it's too many options, to be honest. If I had to plant a flag, uh, I would say this is PPR only. I would go with Naheem Hines just because I think he has a pretty safe receiving floor, uh, especially in a game against Houston. If, if you think that game is going to get, you know, with both teams in the 20s to low 30s, on the scoreboard. And I think Hines makes a lot of sense here because he should be able to help that offense move down the field, especially since he's like the, he is the passing down option um, in the backfield. So I think of the three, I would go with Hines. I think he has the safest floor. Um, if you think this is a situation where Indianapolis does like they did in the playoffs last year and to just squat on Houston, then I could see a case where you might start either Wilkins or Williams and just hope for the best and hope one of those guys falls the end zone for you. Um, but I, I think that's risky. I think there's better options out there uh, for, you know, emergency start type running backs. And I'm sure we could talk about those guys in a couple minutes. Yeah. I mean, as someone who has to start Bo Scarborough in a league talking about just hoping a guy falls into the end zone, that sometimes that's all you need, right? That's all you need sometimes. Yep. Well, we're trying to figure out who we can trust in that Colts backfield. We also have to decide if there's anybody we can trust in the Bears offense. And I feel like we've talked about this a few times on the podcast this year, but now we have a new wrinkle because Mitch Trubisky left the game late in the fourth quarter last week, and Trubisky has just looked awful. So you have to wonder whether this hip issue is really maybe just an excuse for Matt Nagy to put back up Chase Daniel under center. It could be the case here. I don't want to suggest that Trubisky isn't hurt, but the way that they've dealt with this, the way Trubisky's played, it's possible. Regardless, Daniel isn't that great of an option, but if they went to him, he might be able to at least stabilize things a bit, especially when you're talking about for fantasy, maybe give Allen Robinson a bit higher of a floor than what he's had with Trubisky lately. Josh, can we trust anybody in this Bears offense the rest of the season, whether it's Trubisky or Daniel under center? Yeah, I absolutely think so. You know, the one person I think we could trust here, and we've been able to trust him almost all seasons, Allen Robinson. You know, he's he's been a target hog for this offense. He's, his whopper is off the charts. And the good thing about it is he's not going to face Jalen Ramsey in blanket coverage the rest of the season. That's true. That was a problem for him last week, right? So I think Allen Robinson is still going to be the focal point of the passing game. He draws a really juicy matchup this week with the Giants that I like quite a bit. And outside of that, I could see Matt Nagy kind of consolidating the volume in the offense a bit this week. Uh, I think Tariq Cohen's going to be fine. I think he'll still see relatively healthy passing work, especially Daniel under center. And I, I also think that there's a case you can make for Ben Broniker at tight end. Um, just these lower A dot options in the passing game. If Chase Daniel's the starter. Now, if, if it's Trubisky, I think 
Allen Robinson's probably the best bet, maybe some some Cohen and then outside of that. If you want to play Montgomery at running back, I think it's okay, but I think you're going to be very boomer bust and probably siding more on bust on a week-to-week basis. Well, I find it interesting. A lot of people are talking about how bad Trubisky's been playing. I don't think enough people are talking about how bad Philip Rivers has been playing recently. And I know he's on by, so this isn't really much of a week 12 preview question, but I see Rivers as the reason that they've lost the last two games. Seven picks in just those two games alone, 16 total turnovers on the year. I think it really comes down to how much you want to blame his offensive line, but I'm curious your take here. Is Rivers potentially the one that's holding this Chargers offense back? Well, the one thing that he's done well his entire career, uh, which is throw the deep ball accurately, it's not happening anymore. He's not throwing the deep ball accurately. It's spraying all over the field. And on top of that, he's unloading the ball, I think, a lot quicker than he likes to and forcing it into areas where maybe he shouldn't be throwing the ball. So I think all of these ingredients add up and and make Phillip Rivers look a lot worse than he really is. Now, we know the offensive line in, in L.A. is really bad in front of him, and that doesn't help his case. But there are plenty of players around him that can make a quarterback good. So I, I think, you know, to circle back around, I think, yeah, Rivers is not doing himself any, himself any favors with the way he's playing right now. I think if he maybe scaled back the amount of risk he was taking on a play-to-play basis, I think that offense would be a lot more successful. Will we see that happen when they come back out of the five? You know, they start maybe focusing a little bit on lower dot throws, less on the YOLO balls way downfield that are in double and triple coverage. I think we'll see, but I, you know, if the offense isn't at least trying to scale him back a little bit on his risk taking, then I think we're going to see this erratic play continue. Well, it does seem like a lot of the success they've had, even before Melvin Gordon came back, and obviously Melvin Gordon's looked much better in the last couple of weeks here, even with that bad offensive line. But earlier in the season, it was those short passes to Eckler, it was the the shorter passes to Keenan Allen, and now you see it's like you talked about. You see Rivers see a player open, make a throw that I think he remembers he used to be able to make. And then by the time the ball actually gets where it's going, the defender's right in front of the player and picking it off. So I do wonder whether, you know, can you teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing? Will he actually dial it back and fall back into more of the running game and the shorter passes? It's going to be interesting to see whether he's willing to do that. Yeah, I, you know, if if you roster anybody on that offense, you you have to hope beyond hope that that's what he does, that he does scale it back because, you know, his lower dot options, we're talking about Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, uh, Austin Eckler, and even Melvin Gordon to some degree. I mean, they're all excellent receiving players, right? They move the ball. There's a lot of yak involved when they get the ball in their hands. And I think that's the offense needs to be more focused on that, maybe more of a West Coast type passing game rather than that. It's more of like a run and shoot style that Phillip Rivers is playing right now, where it's, you know, we'll dump it off a couple of times and then we're going to hammer 140 yards downfield and hope for the best. And obviously that's not working so well for the Chargers right now. I think if, if they maybe think about that West Coast style a bit more, they would certainly be more successful. Well, and it's a tough offense to watch too right now. Like it just seems so discombobulated and Baker Mayfield kind of in a similar situation to Rivers right now. The, the offensive line really let him down all year so far. The offense itself has just been all over the place and also kind of a tough watch, which is just as shocking considering these two teams both have so much talent at the skill positions. Mayfield's played a little bit better recently. His five total touchdowns his last two games. And they weren't the easiest matchups either. He was going up against the Bills and the Steelers. Now Mayfield and company are going to get the Dolphins. And the Dolphins are coming to town. 
is this finally going to be the week where we see Mayfield and Odell Beckham and really everybody in that Browns offense finally produce for fantasy owners? You know, this it there was going to be a week. This is the week, right? It's Miami. They just put two safeties on IR again today, both starters. So you would have to think like, this is the week. It's got to be the week. The constant here is that the Cleveland offense has been very inefficient and poor, uh, schematically speaking. And, I, you know, we talked about the Cleveland offensive line not being as good this year. Right? And I think that's the case, but they, they, they're league average. They're okay. And if you have an okay offensive line in front of you, then schematically, I don't feel like Freddie Kitchens is doing him any favors. It, it, when I watch the Browns, they run a lot of vertical routes that take a long time to develop and not so much the quick hitters that could help a, you know, maybe a struggling offensive line and a quarterback just get the ball out fast. You know, we, what we've noticed the past couple of weeks is with Kareem Hunt's return that the offense has become a little more efficient, a little more um consistent so far as how they move the ball and they're targeting him a lot. So, you know, maybe there's something to this where they've, they've kind of cut down the eight on, on some of these targets, uh, at least from a frequency perspective, deep versus short and involving some players that can move the ball downfield with the ball in their hands, rather than try to do it all the way through the air while a route develops. So, you know, there's a, there's a dichotomy here that I'm not sure which way to go yet. Is it, is this going to be a Browns offense that, you know, I wouldn't say dink and dunk, but you know, they try to get the ball in a receiver's hands fast and let him run, or are they still going to try to have an offensive line hold up under, you know, let's say marginal protection and wait on Baker to, to throw a ball 30 yards downfield. I don't know, you know, but you think if this team wants to win and maybe try to, you know, fight in a playoff race that they're going to do the former and they're going to try to get the ball in playmakers hands early. Josh is a great follow on Twitter, everybody. Make sure that you give him a follow. I actually saw you tweeting about Josh Gordon earlier in the week. That's why I bring that up. Tyler Lockett's banged up. Seems like he's going to play, but we don't know his status yet. And personally, I'm not a big Josh Gordon backer when it comes to fantasy. Not at this point anyway, maybe earlier in his career, obviously, but with Lockett maybe limited and Gordon getting that bye week to get a little more comfortable in this offense. And really with Russell Wilson being his quarterback now, there could be something there for Gordon. What are you expecting from him this week? You know, the, the expectations for Gordon are very wide. I think he's a very risky play, but I think he's also a very high upside play. So what we look at here, let's look at the first case. The first case is that Tyler Lockett sits out because he's just a little too dinged up. So starting at flanker, we'll have to assume number one, DK Metcalf. He's probably your number one option in the passing game. Um, on the other flank, we assume it's probably going to be Josh Gordon, but it could be David Moore. It could be somebody else. So we're not even guaranteed that Josh Gordon is going to be starting and playing a full complement of snaps in the passing game. Now, last week he played 37% of the snaps. So I think that's a good sign for a guy that's in his you know second week with the team. Coming into this, they've, they've had the full bye week and now more time to acclimate him. I, I think there's a possibility he could play 75, 80% of the snaps. Now, on those, on those snaps that he played against San Francisco, he ran routes on two-thirds of those. So he ran 18 routes on 27 snaps. He's targeted two times out of that. So, you know, it, it feels more like in that game they were trying to acclimate him to the offense, to the way their offense flows versus what he saw in New England or Cleveland, and let him run routes and maybe try to get some of his timing down with, with uh, Russell Wilson. So coming into this week, 
They play a Philadelphia defense that up to this point this season have really struggled with flanker receivers on the outside. So if Lockett doesn't go, I think Gordon is worth a shot if you have you know, high floor in your lineup already. If you've got, you know, receivers that you feel pretty good can already go, that can get, you know, six to eight catches each and go for 80 to 100 yards themselves. If you're looking for that, like that ceiling option to really put you over the top, I think Gordon's a good play if Lockett doesn't go. But if Lockett goes, I don't think you can put Gordon out there. Um, I, I think he's, you know, what goes from a risky option goes to an insane option if Lockett plays, because I think Lockett, if he plays, he's going to be good enough to get, you know, his complimented targets seven to 12, or it could be possibly more if they shoot out. And in that case, I just don't see enough work for Gordon outside of, you know, DK Metcalf. And now we've inserted um, Jacob Hollister into the equation and they throw to the running back every once in a while. I just, I don't think the pie is big enough for Gordon if Lockett goes. Talking about looking at a receiver that could maybe give you some upside, Josh, why aren't more people talking about James Washington this week? You got Juju Smith-Schuster in concussion protocol, and he's got this knee injury. You got Deontay Johnson in concussion protocol. Last time we saw him, he was bleeding out of his ear. He's apparently practicing today. We don't have the practice report yet, so we don't know how much he's doing, but he is back out there according to reports. That leaves Washington, though, as maybe the number one target, depending if Johnson can get back or not. And the Steelers are taking on the Bengals that the Bengals team's just all but given up on this season. They're they're ready to go home. How are you valuing Washington this week? Because I don't feel like people are making a, a big enough deal about him, whether it was in waiver wire columns that came out or even as a potential DFS play this week. Yeah, Washington's very hard to evaluate because he's dragging that boat anchor around of a quarterback. He's just, you know, <laughs> Mason Rudolph has been so bad at quarterback that it's, it's hard to argue for the viability of anybody that's pa- catching passes in that offense. You know, the game plan last time for Pittsburgh uh, against Cincinnati was Wildcat. You know, they just ran the ball down their throat. And I don't see any reason why they won't try that again this week if they don't think Cincinnati's going to resist them. You know, unless this is they're going to frame this as a, you know, an evaluation of Mason Rudolph, the quarterback, and can he improve against a really bad team, then I think they may just try to get their win the safest way they know how. And that's going to be on the ground with Jalen Samuels and what's left to James Conner if he can go. Um, you know, I, I would liken James Washington to Josh Gordon this week, I think from a, a ceiling standpoint and from a floor standpoint, like the floor is zero. The ceiling is probably 20 fantasy points if he gets, you know, like six for 80 and two scores. Now, I think that's really stretching it to say that's his ceiling, but I think it's possible, especially if Deontay Johnson doesn't go. But I don't know, man, I, I, I think it's worthwhile to bring his name up and work through the thought process of how he can get his in a game like this. But I'm also working back and saying, yeah, I just don't know if they're going to let Mason Rudolph throw the ball that much unless they are behind. That's definitely possible. I I like Washington a lot this week. I think I had him as my uh, second pickup among receivers. Debo Samuel is the number one option there. I just think there's going to be a chance if he is the number one guy, that's that's when you're going to look at him. If he's going to be out there, and he's still produced recently, even with all three of those guys healthy, uh, he's had a couple good games, but you want him to be the number one guy. That's the reason that you're going to try to go after him for that potential. And Washington probably qualifies for the next question, so I might have jumped the gun by bringing him up a little bit, but we did this with you last year as well. We do it every week, and we're ending the episode which players do you think are being overlooked in week 12? I'll let you go first. You know, I'll, I'm going to say probably first and foremost is going to be whoever plays quarterback for Chicago this week against the Giants. 
you know, I think there's an opportunity here for, uh, be it Trubisky or Daniel. And I just saw that Trubisky practiced in full today. So that's positive. If you were thinking about playing him anyway, you know, this would be an opportunity for them to kind of get back on their feet against a poor defense. And, you know, if you, if you want to go with somebody that's overlooked, that's just been beaten to death over the past few days, I think he's a really good option. Somebody that, that will be available and nobody's going to play him. I like it. I actually do. I mean, I don't know if I would have the guts to to play him, but I like the call anyway, because it's exactly what this question is, right? Players that people aren't thinking about. And I got a couple here. Kareem Hunt is one of them. We talked about the Browns earlier, but I think they're going to put up points on that Dolphins team. And Hunt's been getting a lot of work since coming back from suspension. So I think he's an interesting RB3 flex play. Wouldn't be surprised to see him find the end zone. One that I think people are underrating, and maybe myself included, Darius Geist against the Lions. I mentioned it on Monday's show. The Lions have given up 60 yards from scrimmage and or a touchdown to 17 different backs this year, and that's just in 10 games. Even if Geist is split in time, which he's going to be with Adrian Peterson, it's even possible that Chris Thompson could be back this week. I think those guys are going to be worth consideration just because of the matchup here. If Robbie Anderson is going to do anything, it's in a matchup like this against the Raiders this week. He's a desperation option because we have seen him not perform in some pretty good matchups recently, but he still carries that upside. A.J. Brown coming off the bye week. Corey Davis is a little bit banged up. The rookie could see some more consistent targets more than usual anyway this week. We talked about James Washington, but Vance McDonald, he's also going to be in play If, once again, Juju and Johnson, if they're sidelined, then you can start to pivot to Washington or to McDonald, who would be a low-end tight end one at that point. And I'm starting them in at least one league this week, so I'm definitely hoping that that's the case. Yeah, I think those are all good suggestions. I I had a couple more I thought of while you were discussing yours. And, you know, at running back, I think uh, Rex Burkhead might be worth a plug-and-play if you're desperate at running back against Dallas. Dallas allows a lot of receiving to the running backs. They're kind of soft in the middle and Burkhead's the type of player that can attack there. Of course, James White can do the same thing. So I like both of those players this week. Um, you know, we talked at wide receiver and, and guys that are kind of getting beaten down. Nelson Aguilar is front and center of the perfect type of play for this week against Seattle. Seattle's not that good against the pass. I think Wentz is going to be able to unload a lot of passes this week. And Aguilar will probably be available on your waiver wires. And I think you can plug and play him as a guy that can get six to 10 targets this week and be fairly productive. You know, last week was a tough matchup for Philadelphia. So I'm not all that, all that surprised that Aguilar didn't have a lot of success this week, completely different landscape. I think he can crush. And then at tight end, I, I kind of have some interest in Greg Olson this week against new Orleans. You know, I, new Orleans has a stout defense. I think, um, Kyle Allen will probably not have as much time to throw as normal. So I think Olsen kind of slides in here as a, as a receiving option where you could probably pick him up on your waiver wires and plug him in and, and probably think that you're going to be comfortable with, you know, eight to 12 points. That is all for today's show. Josh and I got to go book our flights to Gronk Beach. Go and follow Josh on Twitter, though, at Josh underscore ADHD. I remember last year you gave us a quick rundown of some of the tools that you had why don't you let everybody know what you got cooking over at uh, Fantasy ADHD right now? Sure. Happy to do that. So we have an Air Yards app over at Fantasy ADHD, and it is not like the one at airyards.com that the majority of folks use. It's a great app, but the one at mine is just a little bit different. I go from things from a little bit different angle. Uh, Josh Hernsmeyer and I, we're great friends, so you know we're not trying to step on each other's toes here. Uh, it's just a little bit different way of looking at things. So there's an Air Yards app. 
Um, if you are a member at Roto Grinders or thinking about becoming one, I have a premium usage app over at Roto Grinders where you split uh, on a weekly basis. You can look at you know statistics, you can look at snaps, you can look at the way receivers line up, you can look at defenses and offenses from a pressure standpoint on the quarterback. There's a lot of different modules in the advanced usage app over there that allow you to think about the game a little bit different way and maybe try to pinpoint matchups that are a bit off the radar. Um, I have some other apps in the works uh, over at ADHD right now. I'm working on um, some specific apps for doing projections next season. Something I'm going to work on this off season and uh, a couple other ideas kicking around in my head that I'm not sure if I'm going to execute or not, but Either nice. way, there will be something interesting coming up soon. Well, keep killing it with everything, man. I, I appreciate all the tools that you got out there. And just keep doing what you're doing. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. And I look forward, like I said earlier, to having you back at some point in the new year. Well, Justin, man, I appreciate you having me. It's uh, It's been fun like it always has been. And uh, good luck this week. Win all your games. Thank you. Thank you. You too. I had one of those weeks last week, actually, where I got a win in every single league. It doesn't happen all the time, but it definitely feels good when it does. Yeah, like just clean up the whole week. That's that's the best feeling. Absolutely. Remember, you can find all my content on the Score app and by following me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks to Josh. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight I said leave on time